Good morning. It is good to see everybody out this morning. Um, hey, Remington, could you go back to the, I don't, I don't know if it's there, uh, the picture of the elf? There we go. So I, some of you may not know this, uh, but Marilyn Lamberts takes these pictures and puts them into the slides for us. Rod did this one. Well, I don't want to talk about it then. Never mind, skip. <clears throat> now, Marilyn, uh, Marilyn actually puts together this stuff, and, and Rod took this picture, but uh, Marilyn does this for us every week, and we're so appreciative of it. But I just wanted to, everybody to see. Look at this really good picture right here, just for a second. Now, when all those people who fled our ranks and went to Estes Park this weekend talk about the elk they saw and how they froze and how smelly they were, say, we saw elk and it was comfortable, and they didn't smell at all. And so there's no reason to go to Elk Lodge, just stay here. Anyways, that's my joke for today, because today's sermon, to be honest with you, is not a funny one, and, and I regret that, except that it's a serious subject that we got to talk about today. Um, and, and it's an important subject, that's why we need to talk about it. But uh, they're not, when we do these serious sermons, they're not always my favorite sermons, uh, to be honest with you guys. But... I feel that God has a message for us in, in these serious sermons, too, and, and there's a message that needs some people might need to hear. And so as we continue with our series on being let down, we're going to talk about what happens when we're let down when we're abused, and when abuse is involved in relationships. So, um, like I said, some days my lessons are funny. Those are the ones I like the best. They're probably the worst sermons sometimes, though. But those are the ones I like the best. Sometimes they're heartwarming, sometimes they're solemn, and sometimes they're serious. And today is one of those more serious ones, and um, so we'll, we'll start with that today. Uh, after, back in 2017, in the fall of 2017, uh, the Harvey Winston debacle came to fruition when it broke in the news. Social media started the trend, hashtag MeToo. Uh, we've all heard about this for a while, we've seen... Uh, the signs, we've seen the, the uh, post and everything that deal, dealt with this. But the hashtag MeToo exploded as women all over the nation stepped forward and came out about the abuse that they had suffered, uh, about abuse that they had experienced in their life. And violence against women um, is a very, very sensitive issue in our culture today. Um, don't believe me? Look at what's happening to some of the football players right now. We had a man that just got removed from a football team because the team doesn't even want to deal with the issues that he had with women, whether they were true or not. And they're not even going to sort through it. So it's, it's, an, it's an issue in our society. And it's an important issue because one out of every four relationships experience abuse. That's the statistic. 25% of people out there are going through some sort of abusive relationship and, and the church is not exempt from this either. This happens well within inside the church. Abuse is not just physical assault. A lot of times it is, but it's not just physical assault. Domestic abuse includes um, physical and sexual violence, but it also includes emotional and verbal abuse. Um, women who have reported domestic abuse, the statistics say 16% of those women report having been watched stalked or intimidated by their significant other to the point of feeling fearful or believing that's, that their partner might try to do something dangerous to hurt them or even kill them. 
40% experience aggression from an intimate partner, just an aggressive behavior. Uh, they recalled uh, 64%, I don't think I have that one up there, maybe 64% um, of that particular group were called names like ugly, fat, crazy, or stupid. 57 percent, 57 to 58 percent, um, said their partners acted angry in a way that seemed dangerous. So their partner acted angry in a way that became a very aggressive and dangerous to them. 58 percent were insulted, humiliated, or made fun of. 48 percent were told that they were a loser, a failure, or not good enough. And 39 percent were told no one else would want them. No one else would want them. That's, that's devastating. That's devastating. For far too long, abusive cycles have been perpetuated, not just in our society, but in our church as well. Uh, churches have misunderstood and misused scriptures to try to look at abuse and relationships. If you want to know how Jesus felt, about abuse and about women, you don't have to look very far into the Gospels to see how he cared about women, especially in abusive relationships. He makes his ideals and his ideas of how women should be treated very, very clear in the Gospels. As Christians, we should also follow Christ and make our views and our opinions about abuse very, very clear. If we're going to be called the disciples of Christ, if we're going to be true disciples, we have to stand up for those that are being abused and to stop the abusers from having the power that they do. Author and counselor Leslie Venrich, uh, Vernich describes in her book the differences among disappointing, difficult, and destructive marriages. Destructive being abusive. She says, a difficult relationship is one which there are many stressors pressing on the relationship that make it challenging. Uh, that's, that's disappointing. You know, I get that. That happens. It's a difficult relationship. Relationships are difficult. We always have stressors pushing on the relationship and the goals of the relationship that make things challenging. But she says, a disappointing relationship is one in which there are letdowns. There's a letdown of expectations in the relationship. It's not what you thought it would be, perhaps. Perhaps there's no obvious sin, but someone's not committed to their part of the agreement. And, and people feel let down, and they feel hurt, and they feel ignored. But the destructive relationship, the abusive relationship, is one in which the personhood of the other is regularly diminished, dismissed, disrespected, or demeaned. There's a lack of mutual effort at maintaining and repairing the relationship wounds, she says. And this is a lack of mutual accountability, but rather one that has power over the other physically, emotionally, financially, mentally, spiritually, or all of the above. We need to rightly identify each of these in our own relationships, and, and not just in our marriages, but in our relationships with each other as Christians. Sometimes our relationships with each other, we get abusive in those relationships. We try to take advantage of each other for some sort of 
spiritual gain or some sort of emotional gain. One way to stop the abuse cycle is to establish clear and healthy boundaries. Clear and healthy boundaries help us understand where the limits are, right? Yes and no are ultimate words. They have, they have one true meaning, yes and no. They have, they have stances where people can stand and create boundaries, but it's not always something that we're capable of doing. In our own lives, in our own relationship as Christians with God, we call it to God and we ask Him for help in our own lives to create boundaries. We need to also call out for Him to help create boundaries for others that maybe feel powerless to create those boundaries. We need to have Him help us decide what is acceptable and what is not acceptable and where that needs to lie. Boundaries are necessary in every functional relationship. Every functional relationship, whether you're married or you're friends or you're dating or you're a grandparent and a grandchild or a grandparent and parent, boundaries are necessary in those situations. You have to have some sort of boundaries that each other can honor. When someone isn't allowed to exercise their own boundaries, it's a red flag that there's possibly abuse in that relationship. Abuse exists in our world because of sin, because of sin and evil lurks in this world, we have abuse. Today's psalm that we're going to read here in a minute offers us hope and a life surrounded by those who seek to hurt us. Psalm 118, I love Psalm 118 because it, it contrasts the faithful love of God with the wickedness of evil. The author of this Psalm 118 reminds himself that God hears his cries and is bigger and stronger than the enemies that we might face. What, a, what an idea, right? God hears our cries. We were talking about this downstairs in the class. We we're studying Revelation. We talked about how the blood of the saints cries out to God. He hears the blood of us. He hears the blood of the saints, not just our voices, but every aspect of our lives cries out to God. And he stands between us and evil to protect us. The author also says it's a better place, to, it's better to place all of our hope in God instead of in people. And this goes back to the idea of the letdown, right? When we place our hope in people, we continually get let down. But when we put that hope in God, he secures us and he protects us from our attackers. God helped and delivers this person in the Psalms and he saves us. The author declares his victory, and he trusts in God. Let's, let's read this psalm together. Psalm 118, we're just going to read the first 17 verses. Starting in verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let those who, who fear the Lord say, His steadfast love endures forever. Out of my distress, I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. 
It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. All nations surround me. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me, surrounded me on every side. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me like bees. They went out like the fire among thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. I was pushed hard so that I was falling. But the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Glad songs of salvation are in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord exalts. And the right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. Victims are traumatized by abuse. And because of that traumatization, they may feel afraid to speak up. Because they might feel embarrassed or fearful. They might feel that the abuser might seek retribution. One of the most traumatizing things victims can experience, secondary to the abuse itself, is speaking up and reaching out and asking for the help that they need. I think this passage tells us that that's our call. We are called to help those people speak up, to help those people speak to the Lord and ask the Lord for help. But it's not just there, right? I'm here to tell you that this church as well has to speak up. This church as well has to take a stance on abuse and be strong. And they have in the past. One of the safest places for a victim of abuse has to be the church. It has to be a sanctuary for them. One of the reasons I love Southeast so much is that it is a sanctuary for those that are being abused. I've seen the eldership step up when somebody was being abused and they investigated it. They helped out. They gave a voice to those that didn't have a voice And they offered safety to those who needed safety. And if it was necessary, they helped those who were involved to get better. No one should suffer from abuse. The root cause of all abuse is sin. It's nothing else. There's no other excuse in life. It's just sin. And there's only one solution for sin that I know of. That's the transformative power of Jesus Christ. See, we as believers, we know and we understand, we accept that Christ is not just our Savior, but He is someone who understood what abuse was. He went through what abuse is, physical, spiritual, emotional, mental anguish. And He took it upon Himself so that you could have a voice so that you could be free from abuse. He also took it upon himself that if you are the abuser, that you could be free from that sin. You could find the help that you need to change your life. As believers, we have to expose this particular sin in our lives. 
the sin of abuse. We must hold each other accountable and find ways to help those who are being abused and those who are struggling to abuse others. We're going to stand and sing a song here in just a minute. Nathan, you can go ahead and get ready. But I want to offer a special invitation. If anybody is being abused or feels like they've been abused, don't walk out that door. This is a safe place. Come find me. Find Jim. Find one of our wives. Find Nathan. Find somebody to talk to. Somebody so you can find the help that you need and the safety that you desire and that you deserve before you leave today. Let's stand for our final song, number 647, Soldiers of Christ Arise. Soldiers of Christ arise, Strong in the strength which God supplies, strong in the strength which God supplies through His beloved Son, strong in the Lord.